Well, some of you know just what it is like to pick up your phone and receive a life-changing call. It can be good news or it can be bad news. Uh, you never know what it might be, but you pick up the phone unaware and you hear words that will change the rest of your life. Words like, we'd like to offer you the position, can you move? Or you've been approved for a transfer. Or the test was positive or dad's not gonna make it. Uh, words that you hear them, and you had no idea you were about to hear them, but once you do, every moment is going to be different now, and all you did was pick up the phone and listen. Well, today we're gonna read a story of a man, uh, long before the invention of the telephone, who heard a life-changing call, only his call was from God himself. He was just going about his life, and he heard words that once he heard them, everything was different. His whole world was turned either upside down or right side up, depending on how you want to look at it. And the call that God extended to this man will teach us about a similar call that God makes to each one of us. And so as we look at this story, uh, what I want you to know is that in the reading of this story and in the preaching of this word, God is ringing a call to you right now. Not a call that you can feel in your pocket as your phone shakes or hear from the other side of the room as your phone rings, but a call just the same, and a call that if you hear the words and internalize them, can change every day for the rest of your life. The call made to this man named Abram will help us understand the call that God makes to us. Now, many of you are familiar with this call, and you answered it long ago, and I pray that as we look at it, you will learn even more deeply the nature of this call that God extended to you. Uh, but some of you today may not really be familiar with what I'm talking about. You may not know the gospel message and the gospel call. And so as we talk about it, I pray that this will be the day that you hear the Lord Jesus himself reach out to you and say, come and follow me. The day that you hear the call that changes everything. Let's look together at Genesis chapter 11. And what we're going to find there is first a genealogy that sets things, tells us where we are in history. And then a little setting about this man named Abram. And then we'll read the story of the call he hears that changes everything for him. So Genesis 11, we're going to start with, chapter, sorry, with verse 10 as we read today. It says, these are the records of the generations of Shem. And Shem was 100 years old and became the father of Arpachshad two years after the flood. And Shem lived 500 years after he became the father of Arpachshad and he had other sons and daughters. Arpachshad lived 35 years and he became the father of Shelah. Arpachshad lived 403 years after he became the father of Shelah and had other sons and daughters. And Shelah lived 35 years and became the father of Eber. And Shelah lived 403 years after he became the father of Eber and had other sons and daughters. Eber lived for 34 years and became the father of Peleg. And Eber lived 430 years after he became the father of Peleg and he had other sons and daughters. And Peleg lived 30 years and he became the father of Reu. And Peleg lived 200 years, uh, sorry, 209 years after he became the father of Reu, and he had other sons and daughters. Reu lived 32 years, and he became the father of Serug. And Reu lived 207 years after he became the father of Serug, and he had other sons and daughters. And Serug lived 30 years, and he became the father of Nahor. And Serug lived 
200 years after he became the father of Nahor, and he had other sons and daughters. Nahor lived 29 years, and he became the father of Terah. And Nahor lived 119 years after he became the father of Terah, and he had other sons and daughters. Terah lived 70 years, and he became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now, these are the records of the generations of Terah. Terah became the father of Abraham, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah and the land of his birth and Ur of the Chaldeans. Abram and Nahor took wives for themselves. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, and his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, and his son, Abram's wife, and they went together out from Ur of the Chaldeans in order to enter the land of Canaan, and they went as far as Haran and settled there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. And now we get to the call. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abraham took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, and all their possessions which they had accumulated, and the persons which they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. And thus they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem to the oak of Morah, and now the Canaanite was then in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And then he proceeded there from the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and he called upon the name of the Lord. Abram journeyed on, continuing down toward the Negev. The word of the Lord. So what I want to do this morning is first kind of back up and give you a big picture of what's going on here so that you don't get lost, right? Like all those names and who knows, it just can just like stun you after a while and you get totally lost in this thing. So I'm gonna give you some big picture, let us understand where we are. Then we'll zoom in on the call that God makes to Abraham in chapters 12 verses one through three and learn what that means about the call that God is making to us. So big picture here, uh, when we last left off last week, week, we were about around the fourth generation of this genealogy that we read today. Uh, We read the story of the founding of the world's nations, right? The origins of the nations, including Babel, the great tower city that was built from which everyone comes. And from that, we learned a lot of things about the nations that are around us and the people that are around us and where we come from and the things in our own hearts as well. Uh, Well, time traces on and kind of lets you know where we are by tracing the genealogy from Noah all the way down to this one man named Abram. 
and Abram lives in a city called Ur in the nation of Chaldea, uh, which actually is another word for Babylon. He lives in what will become the country of Babylon. Uh, so he's living much like all of the people that we learned about last week, doing all the same things they were doing, living just like him. Uh, and then all of the sudden, uh, everything changes in one moment. You don't know a whole lot about him, really. You just know what his father's name was, and you know that his wife is barren, and that's going to become important later. And all of a sudden, God just speaks to this man, just picks one man and speaks to him both a call to be obeyed and a promise to be received. And that changes everything for Abram. And it changes everything for the Bible. It changes everything for us too. And in this story, what's happening big picture is Genesis is moving from teaching us about the origins of humanity, which it has done so far, now bridging the gap and teaching us about the origins of God's people. From now, we'll be reading about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the beginnings of the nation of Israel. So we start to learn a whole lot about us, about the people who have called to become uh, God's very own. And one of the things we learn is about this call that he makes to Abram and the way that it is very similar to the call that is made to us. So the call God makes to him is leave everything that you are and go to this other place. He doesn't even tell him what it is. He just says, I'll show it to you. And there you will receive a blessing upon blessing. Uh, the same call is extended to you today in the preaching of this very message. And so we wanna learn everything that we can about it. Now, the first thing I wanna tell you about it, uh, it, it comes from the words that are in verse three, which which is that in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Uh, that is strange wording right there, right? This is one guy living in one nation. He's gonna receive lots of blessing. Uh, but what he hears is you're actually gonna be a blessing to all of the nations around you. Uh, and to give you like a two-minute story of like what winds up happening in the rest of the Bible, uh, Abram here eventually does have a son through his wife, Sarah, though his wife is barren at this point. Uh, that son has a son who has another son who becomes the father of the whole nation of Israel. So when you read about Israel in the Bible, uh, this man and this story, this is the beginning of that. Uh, what's really fascinating is that from the nation of Israel, one king rises up named Jesus and Jesus is Abram's son, but he is also God's son. And he lives on earth and does great miracles, uh, does fascinating things, teaches people, amazes people, and then kind of blows everybody's mind when he dies on a Roman cross and they don't understand why. And then he rises from the dead and he says, I I've done this to pay for the sins of man, kind of done this to offer forgiveness to anyone who would believe in me and by believing in me have life in his name. Uh, and so he lives for another 40 days among his disciples. Uh, and then he rises up into heaven. He just disappears and ascends up into heaven. But before he does, he tells his disciples, go forth to all of the world and preach this message that I have died and I have risen and I offer forgiveness to all. Preach that to all all of the world and make disciples of me of all nations. And here we are today on the other side of the world hearing the very same message. And so what's going on is every nation on earth is blessed because of what this one God man did, what Jesus Christ did. Every nation on earth is blessed. And so the words that Abraham read that day, or heard that day rather, in you 
all of the families of the earth will be blessed. Uh, Those words come true as the gospel is proclaimed around the world. They're coming true right now as the gospel is preached in this room, and it's probably being preached right now across the street in a very different language to a very different people in the language of Korean. So that's being fulfilled right now in our hearing of this. All of the families on the earth, all of the nations on the earth are being blessed. And what that means for you is that in the same way that God called Abram that day, he is calling to you today as well, if you have not already answered that call. Uh, And one of the ways you can know that is that you come from one of the families on earth, one of the nations on earth, and he says, every family on earth will be blessed. Uh, That means the call is extended to you today as well. Now that's important because I know how people work, and when someone gets up in front of a crowd and says something that applies to everybody, we just naturally think, oh yeah, the other people in the room need to hear this, right? Like not me, right? And then the person in front says, no, I'm not talking to the person next to you, I'm talking to you. And then you're like, man, he's really laying into the person next to me, man. You know, like we just can't get it into our heads that like, no, like I'm really talking to you. Uh, this happened to me once when I was in college. Um, I was part of a campus ministry and I was, I was very young at the time. And one of the seniors in the ministry, uh, he decided he needed to build a team that would, they would call it the design team and they would do like posters and advertisements and things for this ministry. And so he rounded up all four of the graphic design majors that were in that ministry, got us together, I was one of them, and kind of sold us on the vision of like, hey, what if we form this team together and like we can design all these really cool posters and put them around and, you know, do all kinds of cool ads and designs and things for the ministry. And we're like, yeah, that sounds awesome. So we're fired up and we're ready to do it. And then the whole group is meeting on Monday evening, like a big worship service for all the hundred or so people that were part of this campus ministry and we're worshiping we're having a good time and then there's preaching and then the announcements come up and the leader Mike was like hey Joey did you have an announcement and he's like yeah so Joey the guy that recruited all of us gets up on the stage and uh, he says hey can I get um, Dave and Laura and he named off the other two can you guys come up here on the stage and you got to understand when you're born in the early 80s and your name is David you know, the most popular baby name the year I was born was, was Dave's laughing over here, was David. And the most popular name the year after that was, was David. And the most popular name the year after that was, was David. And it was like that for like 10 years around the time that guys like us were born. So we've spent our whole lives in classes with like three other people named David. And that's just our, so we hear our name and we're like, oh yeah, whoever, whatever Dave he's talking about, probably not me. And so even though the day before Joey had talked to all four of us, and I knew I was on this team. I didn't know he was going to do that that way. He calls out my name and calls me forward. And I'm like, oh, I wonder who he's calling. I wonder which one of the Daves in the room he's calling. And I just sat there and didn't go up. And so the other three people come up and he's like, oh, well, I wonder where Dave is. But well, I'll just introduce you guys to three quarters of the design team. And I guess Dave couldn't make it tonight, but here they are. It just goes into the whole thing. And I'm in the crowd going, oh. And I mean, it's too late. I can't get up and be like, oh, sorry. And so uh, we all do this, right? Like the guy up there says, I'm talking to you. And we're like, no, it's got to be the guy next to me. It's got to be somebody else. The point of these words that in Abraham, all of the families of the earth will be blessed and all of the nations of the earth will be blessed. The point of those is that the call of the gospel extends out to you today, not the person next to you, not the other person with the same name as you 
but you. It's there to break down that barrier that's within you that makes you think, oh, the Lord is calling everyone but me today. No, he is calling to you. And if you want proof, just, just ask yourself this, what, what family do you come from? And, and what nation do you come from? Is it the United States? Is it another nation? Is it a family similar to mine? Is it a family nothing like mine? If you can just kind of pin yourself there, I belong to that family, I belong to that nation, and then just see these words, in Abraham and in Abraham's son, Jesus, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That means, that means your family, and that means your nation. So, First thing I want to get across today then is that God's life-changing call to believe upon Jesus and receive life, that call is extended to you today because you come from a family and a nation, and so it must be you. So here's the call then, plain and simple. Jesus Christ died and rose to offer forgiveness and life to you. He calls you to believe upon his name, and my point right now is he calls it to you, no matter who you are. So if that's the call, this story then tells us seven or eight particular things about the call. Uh, We will look at two more of them today. That was one already. We'll look at two more. Uh, And then just to give you an idea of what's coming in the future, uh, soon we'll be celebrating Christmas together, even through the sermons. I'm going to preach on Christmas next week. Week after that, Paul Webb will preach a message not from Genesis. Then in the new year, we'll pick up Genesis again, and we'll pick up right here and talk about some other points that we can learn about God's call on us from this very story. So we'll look at two more things from this story that we can learn about the call God gives to us. The first one is that it is a call to leave who you are to follow Jesus. It is a call from everything that you are. You see it a few ways in the story. One of them is going to come down the road later on. We might get to it in a month or two when God changes Abram's name to Abraham. And you may know him as Abraham. And I've tried my best not to say Abraham, but to say Abram because we all know him as Abraham, right? Well, God's going to do that as one way of saying who you were is no more. You are somebody new now. But we're not there yet. The way that is shown here is in the way that the calling is worded in verse 1 of chapter 12. Look at that with me. The Lord said to Abraham, go forth from your country, from your relatives, and from your father's house. So he calls him from three things, from his country, from his relatives, and from his father's house. He calls him then from everything that mattered to an ancient man. Uh, You see, they found their entire identities in who their father was, what nation they were a part of or what nation they were going to become, and what land was theirs. Uh, That is part of why you may have noticed that up to this point, Genesis has been very preoccupied with who was whose son and who was whose father and who became what nation and where this nation came from. That's because that's what they cared about and where it's where they found their identity. They, They didn't do like we do where we hit like 23 or 24 or maybe like 17 or 18 sometimes and we're like, oh man, what's my identity? Like, who am I? Am I designed to go into this career or am I made to go into this career? We're trying to figure out who we are and find ourselves. Well, they were spared that because who he was was Abraham, son of Terah. The end, that's who he was. Uh, And he didn't have to worry about anything else. In some ways, some of you are kind of thinking, man, that'd be kind of nice. I wouldn't have to try to figure out who I am. Well, that is everything Abraham was. That's his full identity, his country, his land, his people, and God says, leave it all, go somewhere else, which is just mind-blowing. I mean, he called him to leave 
every last thing that he was. And this is just like Jesus' call to you. He is calling you to leave everything that you are. Whatever you have found yourself in, he calls you to leave it. And this shows itself in three ways, at least three ways in the Christian life. And I'll just list them here and then we'll walk through all three of them. Uh, First, he might call you to very different practical circumstances. Like your life just might look really different in 10 years if you choose to follow Jesus. That's a maybe. He may just keep things the same. He can do whatever he wants. Uh, The other two are definite though. He will call you to give up your identity, like what you're finding yourself in. And then thirdly, the way the Bible talks about it the most is he will call you to give up the sins of your past. There are things that you do that you know the Lord doesn't want you to do. He's gonna call you out of those things and say, I'm making you a new person who doesn't do those things. So let me walk through those kind of slowly. When I say that he may call you to a different practical everyday life, uh, what I mean is that if you live your life for him under his direction, things could look very differently in 10 years. Uh, Many of you who follow Jesus would say today that he has directed things in a way that is different than you thought they would be 10 years ago. I could say that myself. I did not think the Lord would do with my life what he has done in 10 years. Uh, One really good example, someone you guys know well, Butch and Carol Tanner, Uh, when you guys were here with them, say 15 years ago, if you had bumped into Butch or Carol in the hallways and asked them, hey, where do you think the Lord's gonna be, have you in 15 years? What do you think the Lord's gonna do with your life. Do you think they would have said Hong Kong? I think I will be in Hong Kong in 15 years. And I think there will be crazy riots going on in Hong Kong and the Lord will use me powerfully to do all this work in Hong Kong. You'd have been like, you're crazy. Like, what do you know? Because that's not the direction they saw their lives going, but that's the direction the Lord took their lives. And this room is probably full of people who said, I thought I was going this way and it was the Lord who took us this way. Now, part of that is because you're not as in control of your life as you think you are. And even if you refuse to follow Jesus, things will turn out differently than you think. But part of that is because there is a blank check aspect to following Jesus. If you come to him, you're saying he's Lord and I serve him. And so if he says, go over here, I'll go over here. And if he says, live in this kind of job or or whatever, I will do that. So he could call you to very different practical circumstances, but he may as well just leave them the same and you're leaving that up to him. The second way that you leaving everything is like Abram leaving everything is leaving your identity, which is what I focused on a moment ago, Uh, right? His family is who he was, right? And so they probably called him Abram's son of Terah, and he's got to leave all that to follow the call of God. And if you follow Jesus, he's doing the same thing for you. You're saying, I don't find my identity in my shoes anymore or in my job or in who I sleep with or in what political party I am part of. That's not who I am anymore. Who I am is a follower of Jesus. Who I am is a Christian. Uh, This is why uh, Jesus meets an adulteress and uh, he winds up freeing her from this execution she's about to experience and she's just so thankful and he says to her, go and sin no more. Uh, The reason is she's not an adulteress anymore. That's not her identity anymore. Now she's a Christ follower. So he says, go and sin no more. This is why when a rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? He tells him, go and sell everything you have and then follow me. Well, why would he say that? Is it because money's bad? No, it's not because money's bad. It's because this young man finds his identity in his riches. And Jesus says, if you want to follow me, 
you're not rich anymore. You're a Christian. Whatever you were before, you're giving that up and you're becoming a Christian. Now, this is hard for us today because uh, whatever you are, the world around you is pushing you to become more and more and more like that. Uh, and here's what I mean. Um, we have all these messages that are custom tailored to us that say, whatever you are, just, just be like 10 times more of that. So say for instance, uh, let's say you're a 45 year old woman who is a Democrat, hasn't picked a political candidate yet, but maybe leaning toward Elizabeth Warren because you like her economics. You're into grilling and you wear really colorful clothing. Let's say that's like who you are, right? You've probably figured out that if that's you, for like 10 years now, companies have been watching what you've been Googling on the internet, right? And noticing what you've liked on Facebook and have tracked your credit card and they know what you're buying with your credit card and they know also what you're buying online and they know the interests that you have and your habits and they've been following you with your phone and they know the restaurants that you frequent. They know all sorts of stuff about you. And then what they do is they tailor all these messages you receive on social media and the ads you see when you watch YouTube. And if you have digital cable, sometimes they even custom tailor the commercials you watch on TV and, and you don't, they're different than the person down the street from you. Uh, all kind of confirming this message. So they're watching you and they're seeing, you know, Warren economics, grilling, hates Trump, clothes look like this, you know, that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden your social media feed and your email inbox and the phone calls you get and your search results and your Netflix recommendations, like basically anytime you pick up a screen, the message gets echoed back to you. Warren, great. Look at this great grilling grub. Trump is bad. Gordon Ramsay has a grilling show. You should watch it. People like you are awesome. Those Republicans are at it again, like over and over and over and over. Whatever it is you're into just gets fired back at you to confirm more and more. You, 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 people like you are great. You should become more and more like you. And what is wrong with all these? other crazy people who are not like you aren't they seeing all these same ads right so what I'm saying is your your life can become a, like a u-shaped bubble like a bubble that is all about you because all the messages you're getting are all about the things that you're into and then some guy comes along with a bible and says that your lifestyle is sinful and you need to turn from it and I can guess how you're going to feel about that right because that's just so different and so counter to everything that you have been hearing every time you pick up a screen. And so, you know, it's a little counterintuitive, but what Jesus is saying is if hearing the gospel message and hearing what you do and how you live confronted offends you, then you're almost there because you're realizing that your identity is under attack. Jesus is saying to you, I want you to leave everything that you are and follow me. That cannot be your identity anymore. What you're into, what political party you're part of, what kind of lifestyle you live, that's not who you are. Leave your identity and follow me. And the third way this shows up 
uh, is actually the most common way in the Bible. When the Bible talks about leaving who you are and becoming somebody new, it talks about leaving the sin in your life most often and most practically. Uh, it's talking about leaving particular things that you're doing, what the old version of you did. And uh, you can see this really plainly in the book of Ephesians. So if you want to, grab like a bulletin or something, put it in Genesis because we're going to back, go back there. And turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're actually going to bounce back between the two of them a couple of times. Ephesians chapter 4 just makes this really plain. I'm going to start at verse 17. So again, this is the one, really the most common way the New Testament talks about leaving what you were for something new. He says, uh, so this I say, and I affirm together with the Lord, so the Lord's making the call too, and it's that you no longer walk just as the Gentiles walk. Now these people were Gentiles, which is anybody who's not a Jew, anybody who's part of the nations, uh, and he's saying that's what you were, so don't live like that anymore. If you wanna contextualize it, you could say you must no longer walk how Americans walk because you're, you're leaving that, you're walking like a different person. Okay, so he keeps going. He describes how we used to walk, uh, picking up in the middle of 17, and the futility of their mind. Verse 18, being darkened in their understanding and excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality uh, for the practice of every kind of impurity and greediness. So there's the diagnosis of how we were living, right? That's a stark diagnosis, but it's accurately describing all of us before we came to Christ. And then he talks about the new thing. He says, but but you did not learn Christ this way, if indeed you've heard him and have been taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, right? You see that there? So you're leaving what you were. You're laying aside the old self. Uh, and then 23, and that you'd be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is the likeness of God that has been created in righteousness and holiness and truth. So you see that pattern there. You're called to leave what you were, your old self, which did all sorts of stuff that you're not called to do anymore, and put on this new self that God is giving you. Then what he's gonna do is get very particular and talk about how this looks in real life. So for instance, verse 25 is about lying. He says, therefore, lay aside falsehood and speak the truth each other to, to your neighbor, right? So you're leaving Leaving the former self that used to lie, you're becoming someone who is truthful. 26, he says, be angry and yet do not sin and do not let the sun go down on your anger. So the person that you were would get angry and would do bad things because you were angry and you'd let that anger fester, right? You just let it happen and wouldn't try to, to fix it. He says, no, now when you're angry, don't sin and go seek the person out and reconcile. Like don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. New things that you're doing rather than the old thing. If the old version of you was a thief, he says in verse 28, he who steals must steal no longer, but rather must labor performing with his own hands what is good so that you'll have something to share with one who has need, right? So the thief is leaving stealing and instead earning and giving to others. And he just goes on and on. Uh, unwholesome talk shouldn't come out of our mouth anymore. We shouldn't be living in bitterness anymore. We've got to live in forgiveness. I mean, all kinds of ways as it goes on that we leave the old self and we put on the new self. How's that look practically? It's leaving the sins of 
your old life, whatever they were, and following Jesus instead. So that's the biggest way that this analogy of leaving your old life and taking a new one plays out in the New Testament. Following Jesus means leaving the sin of your life. And so I just want to make this clear here because some people hear the gospel and they think, well, wait a minute, uh, I, do, I do this, like I'm, I'm this kind of person, I, I live with my boyfriend, like I'm gay, can I hear that message, like can I receive, does this call actually extend to me even though I do this stuff? And the answer is yes, the call does extend to you, but it comes with a call to leave your lifestyle and follow Jesus. You leave the old version of yourself and you follow him. He says, I'm calling you to leave yourself and hitch yourself instead to me. So that is what God's calling you is from. It's from everything that you are and were before. Uh, let's turn the tables now and let's talk about what the call is to because the call is to something much better uh, than what we were. Uh, throw your bulletin in Ephesians, flip back to Genesis with me and we're going to look at verses 1, 2, and 3 again. What we're going to see here is that this call that is made to him is it's a call to blessings beyond Abraham's imagination. Like if he was sitting there dreaming about how great his life might be in five years, his dream was nothing like how awesome what he is called to is. So uh, starting in verse one, it says, from your father's house, uh, we'll start at the very next line, uh, from your father's house, to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Can you see how that blessing is just beyond anything that Abraham would have hoped to receive on that day? I mean, could he have possibly been sitting there in the city of Ur, in, in whatever condo, ancient version of a condo he was living in or whatever, waking up in the morning and thinking to himself, you know, it'd be fantastic is if the God who made all of this were to like talk to me and were to say, you know, I don't know, maybe that he'd make me into a great nation. That would be pretty awesome. And, and that I could somehow be a blessing to every nation in the world. I would really like to receive. No, this is beyond his wildest imagination. He would never think to receive something like this. So this is like if, uh, if you've got someone in your life that likes to spend like 20 bucks on you around Christmas time and they ask what you would like and you think, Oh, uh, we really like this board game, you know, uh, it's around 20 bucks. And so you're thinking, yeah, that's about in the range of, you know, the things that they give to me. And so you tell them about this board game uh, and then Christmas day comes up and they show up with a Mercedes Benz and you're like, what? <laughs> like, that's not what I asked for. Like in the same way, this just kind of blows all of Abraham's expectations out of the water. The call for you to follow Jesus is the same way. There are things you want. I'm sure there are things you want. There are things you are concerned about in life. There are troubles that you're going through. And all of those things just look minuscule compared to the blessing that the Lord Jesus wants to lavish upon you. It is beyond your wildest imagination. And so actually the way that you can see this most clearly is again in the book of Ephesians. I don't know why it's working that way, but we gotta go back to Ephesians now. But this time we're gonna look at chapter one and I'm just gonna outline for you some of the great blessings that are outlined in the first chapter of Ephesians. While you're turning there, I want you to think, 
what is it that you're concerned with right now? Um, you know, if, if God were just like, hey, you got one prayer request real quick, what is it? Like, what, what would it be? What's the thing you're concerned about that you really want to turn out in a certain way? Hold that in one hand, like the blessing you want to receive, and then we're gonna hold in the other hand these blessings that we're actually gonna get that are gonna be lavished upon us. So in verse three of chapter one, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Did you read that? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Like, in heaven, there is not one thing of lasting, meaningful value that will not be yours. There's nothing that God says, I have this, I could share it with you, but I'm just gonna keep this for myself. There's nothing like that in heaven. If you get to rate how blessed you are in heaven from zero to 100, like zero is like, I got in, but that's it, and 100 is like, I get everything there, you get 100, you get all of it. Uh, There's a song we sing that says, there is no more for heaven now to give. I just can't imagine dwelling there and looking around, and now Christmas time comes around, and sometimes I think, yeah, I don't really want anything for Christmas. I like all the things I have. That's not what I'm gonna say there. I'm not gonna say I don't want anything for Christmas because I like all the things I have. This is enough. I'm gonna say I don't want anything for Christmas because I literally have everything. Like there is not an ounce more that I'm capable of receiving than what the Lord has given to me. You try to compare that to whatever hope it is you have in your life, whatever that thing was you were holding in the other hand right now, and just see how small our desires in this world, they just pale in comparison to what the Lord wants to give us. Let me move on to verse four. He says, excuse me, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him. Now that is not in any way nullifying the fact that you have to make a real decision to follow Jesus and if you're considering it right now, you must choose Jesus but somehow that harmonizes with the fact that if you are his, before the Lord founded the earth, he saw you as yet unformed and said, I want that person. Like he picked you and said, I love this person, I choose this person. Is there a better blessing than you can receive than knowing that from eternity past you were chosen to be his? I mean, the dreams and hopes we were thinking about a minute ago just pale in comparison to that. Uh, Then it tells us what what we were chosen for. It says, in love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. So, So what we're headed for, what we're destined for is adoption. In many ways it's already happened and in many ways it is going to happen. And so you might like, you might walk around in heaven and someone might bump into you who only knew like the old you before you came to Christ and they'll be like, what are you doing here? And you're gonna be like, I got adopted. Isn't it awesome? Like I got brought into the family and you get to call God father and you get to call Jesus your brother and he calls us brothers and sisters, daughters and sons of the king. And it's gonna go on later to talk about the inheritance that we receive as sons of the king. And in terms of inheritance, we're all sons, even though the ladies are too. Uh, Just incredible blessings as it goes on and on. And so I'm just gonna kind of read from verse seven a little bit more and, and we don't have time to unpack them all. 
in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. We have forgiveness offered to us because Jesus died and shed his blood. He lavished that upon us in wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things on heaven and things on earth. Is your mind just blown yet at what Jesus offers you? So, in the same way that Abram was called from who he was to blessing beyond what he can imagine, uh, you are called to blessings beyond what you can imagine. And I hope as we read like just a little sliver of them in Ephesians, you can see that the worries and concerns you have in this life are like ants on an elephant compared to what the Lord wants to give you. Now, that's really important because in our day and age here, one of the most popular forms of false gospels that is around is a gospel that says, well, whatever the thing you were worried about is, if you come to Jesus, you get that. And, and that's kind of the end of it, right? Like come to Jesus and your water bill will be paid or come to Jesus and your son will be healed of whatever the thing is and just omits all of these eternal, wonderful blessings, like puts us focused on the here and now and takes from us the eternal eternal blessings that God has given us. So I want you to see in Abram's life and in our life as well, the blessings you were called to in following Jesus are far beyond the things you're worried about now. To be honest, you might still be worried about them tomorrow. Your water bill still might not be paid tomorrow. He doesn't promise to do those things right now. What he does promise is eternal riches and eternal blessings. There's so much more in this text that we're gonna have to wait till next year to come back to. Uh, but for now, I just want to sink that message in our hearts as deeply as we can. The Lord calls you right now. He calls you to leave everything that you are, to leave all of the sin of your past and to follow him. And he calls you to blessing beyond what you can imagine. So if I can just speak to those of you that have never answered that call before, uh, there is a tendency in all of us to hear the call and to say, yeah, that's powerful. One day I'm going to have to answer that. Uh, and I just want you to know that in Abram's life right there, for him to hear those words from the Lord and to say, uh, yeah, maybe one day I'm going to do that uh, and not act right then and go to the country God was going to show him uh, would have been declining the call, right? To hear it and say maybe one day is to say no. And so to hear the call of the gospel right now, the call to come to Jesus and follow him and to put it off for another day is to say no, it is to reject the call. And so the decision time is yours now. We'll have a moment where we'll pray and you can decide. Uh, but the decision is, am I going to follow him today or am I not going to follow him today? If you choose to follow him, uh, the counsel I wanna give you is that he will, you know, all you gotta do is trust him right now, but he'll start calling things of you as one of his followers. He'll call you to be baptized and join a gospel preaching church of which we are not the only one in town. There are many in town uh, and you'll need help with that. And so what I would advise you to do is to find me or to find our deacons up here after the service and ask us about that so we can guide you in that if you're choosing to follow Jesus on this very day. Let's pray right now. Ask the Lord to work in our hearts and in the hearts of those that need to receive the gospel as well.